0: As we're drawing to a near of this QC la Biblia series, uh, one of the things that we are, are wrapping up is uh, the last. Every one of these, have, the questions that people have been asking us, have all pertained to the three things that God ordained. Uh, it's, um, it's three things. One uh, is dealing with the home. As we go back and we look at that, the first institution that he ordained was the home. The second that he ordained was government. And uh, the third that he ordained is the church. And we are speaking about this today because uh, many times this is the question. Why church? Matter of fact, when we uh, felt led to plant Family of Grace Church, the question was, why another church? Why another church in central Louisiana when there are so many churches that are already here? And the reality of that is because 80%... Eighty percent of our population in central Louisiana is unchurched. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're, they don't know Christ or they've never accepted Christ as their Savior. What that means is that they have given up on church. They either have never known Christ and they're an unbeliever or they may have been a person who was a believer. And, uh, you know, on more than one occasion, churches give you more than one reason not to come back. And so they may have still be in love with God, they, they're in love with God, but man, it's a church they've given up on. And so the question really becomes, why church? Matter of fact, this is uh, being asked more and more uh, than any time before. Uh, it's being asked because, uh, you know, back in the day, uh, the, the, the saying was, well, you know, pastor, man, you can worship God anywhere. And that's absolutely correct. You know, that's what the shoulder's for. On the side of the highway when the Holy Spirit comes over you you need to pull your car over just to have a little shout and spell Because you've shut up in your car with Jesus God revealed himself to you there I mean God can minister to you anywhere And so you're absolutely right that you do not have to be in a building in a service to worship God Matter of fact worship should be something that flows through seamlessly through every part of our being We should worship God not just on sunday matter of fact uh we we've kind of we we have set this up for failure in our western culture because we call sunday morning worship times and so we have compartmentalized worship to be only one one hour a week you with me and uh when really this should be celebration you see if you hadn't worshiped all week you're not gonna get your worship on on sunday you ever wonder why somebody gets a little happy in church? It's because they probably used the emergency lane on the side of the highway this week because the Holy Spirit came over them somewhere. You see, you can't you can't you can't worship on Sunday if you hadn't been worshiping the rest of the week. How do you worship? You worship God through everything. You worship God through through, if you play in sports, you, you allow him, you worship him through that. You own a business, you do it that way. You work for somebody, you do it that way. The Bible says in everything you do, in word and deed, do it all for the glory of God. That's how you worship. That you're worshiping through your actions. So why church? Why church? I mean, man, I can really get with God in the deer stand, in my bass boat. Boy, I, I mean, we've had those talks for a long time. And I can really get with God. Just me and him out there. You're absolutely right. He's everywhere. You know, now today people have a lot of reasons, you know, not to go to church. And the church has given them those reasons. Matter of fact, I I mean, there's a lot of churches. Lord, I mean, if that's all church is, I'd have to get out. Find somewhere else. And so... The church has given people many reasons to depart and not come back. You know, one of the tragedies in our central Louisiana is that the churches that have grown the most have grown not necessarily by impacting the city for people who do not know Christ, but they have grown in the concept of... I'll get that worked out in just a minute. They've grown in the concept of growing from other people's churches. I didn't you'd shout me down on that. But it's like we have a better program, and then they move to that program. They move to that concept. They move to that new thing. And they're there, and they're plugged in as long as there's something new happening there. Then when that begins to grow old and somebody else outmarkets you and comes up with something better, then all of a sudden they're going to move to that. See, church is more than a building. Church is a body. So why church? I mean, really, preacher, why can't I just worship church at home? You know, in this concept, you know, first of all, it was, it was you know, it was I can worship God through a television ministry, and I can do that, and those things have their place, and we have one, and, and we, can, we can work on those things, and you can, you can learn, and you can do all those things, but it's, it's not necessarily a local body. It's, it's hearing from God. It's growing in your faith, and it's doing those things. Now, let's go a little bit further in that. And now we live in a concept of virtual church. Matter of fact, uh, there's many churches that are really engaging a virtual congregation. And they have it to where when you log on, like we have live streaming right now, a lot of churches, when you log on to their live streaming, all of a sudden there's people there who welcome you. They come up live, kind of like, you know, you want a live chat. And they begin to welcome you as you log on and have conversation with you. And that's good. You're hearing from God. Man, it's better to get something than nothing. You know, people always ask me, the great debate of all times is, what's the best translation? You know, I tell them the one you'll read. I mean, That's the best translation there is. Find one you like and read it. That's the best one. And so, I mean, get it however you're going to get it. But listen, it's not the local church, even though a local church may be administering it. So let's look at a couple things here. The Bible says this in the book of Matthew, chapter 16 and verse 18. He says... Uh, and I say unto you that you are no, your name will be Peter from now on. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus Christ. Now, when we look at this concept right here, this is the first mention in the, in the pathway of church in the New Testament, the way we've laid it out in our canon. Now, understand that the book of Matthew was actually written after the book of Acts in the literal timeline, but in our layout, this is the first place that the word church in this context is mentioned. And Jesus says, Peter, upon you, your name's going to be Rock now, Petro is what Peter means, and he says, I'm going to build upon you and we know that Peter was predestined to succeed, but we know that he was predestined to fail almost because he, matter of fact, Jesus went to him and he said, uh, Peter, the, Satan wants to sift you as wheat, and I prayed for you that when you return, I'm going to do great things in your life. And we know that Peter had a way of really messing things up, and sometimes he could just say nothing wrong, and sometimes he could just say nothing right. And uh, so as we look at this, he was always on the, the front line. He was always out there drawing attention to himself. He was always ready to stand up and give an account. You remember, he was the one that cut off the ear of Malchus and so on, so on. So as we look at this, and, and he says, upon this rock, I'll build my church. Now, we know that Peter had failed We know but Jesus restored him before the ascension. And then in the book of Acts in chapter 2, it says that Peter began to preach the word and thousands were saved. And so Peter preached the first evangelical crusade uh, where there was a great awakening. And it it is the message that launched the church into existence. And so as we look at this, what does it mean? Well, what is the Bible saying about the church? One, that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Quit wringing your hands. Quit thinking God's going to lose. He's already declared that he'd be the victor. He says the gates of hell, I will build my church. Quit trying to do it. Well, that's liberating for a pastor when I finally got this verse that I realized it was not my responsibility to build the church But it was God's responsibility. He said upon this rock. I will build my church. I will build my church I will build my church. We just have to show up and be accounted for we just have to go fishing we just have to keep our lines wet Telling people the greatest love story in all the world. We don't have to clean them. We don't have to fix them. We just have to point them to Jesus. And so what is the Bible saying about it? Well, in this context, it's interesting. We'll go over this a little bit more. But when you go back to the, uh, in the old Testament, the word church was translated into the Lord's house. The Lord's house is what it was translated into. And when you look at the Hebrew word of that, that's what it meant. The Lord's house. And as we go forward on that, what did that mean? Well, in the Old Testament, it literally meant the Lord's house. And so when it meant the Lord's house, you had to go there to meet with God. Matter of fact, when we go back to the Old Testament, there was a thing called the Ark of the Covenant. And if you remember that, it said between the two cherubim, it was the place where the manifest presence of God was. Matter of fact, it was so great that when the Philistines came and captured the Ark, and they took it back to their home. They thought that they had won, but the ark had so much power in it that the power of God began to move on the Philistines. And so here's what they said: We got to get rid of that ark. This ark's killing us. And so they found a, a couple of oxen. They put it on a cart, and they and they and, and 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 tell me the power of God wasn't in there. They just put that ark of the covenant on that cart, hitched it to a, a cow or something, and it took off. And went straight back to the children of Israel. Then we know in the temple, Solomon built his temple as a place where the presence of God dwelt. Matter of fact, there was a place called the Holy of Holies. There was this big veil that was in the temple, and man could come into the outer courts, the inner courts, but when they got to the veil, they could not go any further, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because if you've been around church at all, you know something about this, but they got to the veil, and only the priest should go in there once a year, and it was in there to make atonement behind the veil. The power of God was so strong behind the veil that if a priest's life was not right when he went in behind the veil that they were so scared the power of God would strike him dead that they would tie a rope around his foot because nobody else wanted to go in behind the veil to pull him out in case he didn't come back. If he didn't come out, they would know that he died, and they would just grab that rope and start pulling him back out. The power of God was behind the veil. So the Lord's house in, in, the, in the in the Hebrew translated back to the word temple, which equals presence. It was the place where the presence of God was in The temple. Now, as we think about that, we move on into the New Testament and we look at that word in the Greek. That word church always translates back into the word ecclesia. Now when you think about that in the Old Testament the building equaled the temple which equaled the presence of God the place where God dwelled when we move into the New Testament we realize that that word Ecclesia meant a made up body a number of people when people come together you have the Ecclesia matter of fact when you think about that that's why Jesus says in the book of Matthew 18 and 20 I think it is he says if two or more are gathered in my name there I am in the midst because it has Become an ecclesia. Now, understand something that in our Western culture, we think the only way you can have church is if you have a building and you have a steeple and you have a program and you have a budget and you have a staff and you have a women's ministry and you have a men's ministry and you have a children's ministry and you have a youth ministry and you have a college ministry and you have a senior adults ministry and you have an in between ministry and you have a millennial ministry. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? But that's not how it was, and we're going to look at this in just a minute in the book of Acts. It says they were having ecclesia, and the Lord was adding to the church daily before there was ever a steeple. Can you believe that? Before there was ever programs, before there was ever budgets, before there was ever senior pastors and lead pastors and mission pastors and youth pastors and preteen pastors... Before there was any of that, the Lord was adding to the church daily. So the church has been been, um, recognized in our culture as an organization and not the body of Christ. Now, when you think about this word, it it translates ecclesia, and there's another word ecclesia, which basically means movement in action. It moves it into a verb where it's the church in action. Because it's moving it's making a difference it's impacting it's making a difference So in the old testament the building equaled the temple which equaled the presence in the new testament The believer equals the temple which equals the presence The bible says do you not know in 1 corinthians chapter 6 that your body is not your own You were bought at a price that you are the temple of the holy ghost of god Listen, this is a building but you are the church, I am the church, and I know that God is everywhere, but he's also in us. And that's what happened when Peter preached in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit fell, and there was, it was Christmas morning for the Holy Spirit. That's the easiest way for me to explain it. Christmas morning we celebrate it because it's the day that Jesus was born in a manger and he put skin on and he came and dwelt among us. Well, in Acts chapter 2, it's the day that the Holy Spirit came and indwelled us. Jesus came and dwelt around us. But in Acts chapter 2, Jesus came in the form of the Holy Spirit and dwelt in us. Are you with me, church? Can I move on? It's what the Bible is saying, that we're a made-up body. What is the Bible saying? The Bible is saying that he has given the church... The power, the gates of hell shall not prevail against that. It shall not prevail against it. It's given it the authority. The Bible says this in Acts 1.8, And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and around the world. I know you know that verse because we say it all the time. The power comes with authority. And now then you are my ambassador. He didn't give us the ambassadorship without the authority to speak on his behalf. And then in Matthew 28, you should go into all the world preaching and teaching the gospel. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Making disciples. I've given you the authority to do that. When you think about this, when we think about the church... The church capitalized refers to the universal church. But we have church in our mind one way here, but in most places in the world it's something completely different. You see, what is the Bible saying about the church? The Bible is saying about the church that there was a transition that in the Old Testament it was the Lord's house in the New Testament. We move that the Lord's temple becomes us. It's not a building made with hands. It's your body that was fashioned and knitted together in the mother's womb and the presence of God. How do you receive the Holy Spirit? How do you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit? The baptism of the Holy Spirit will take place at the moment of conversion. He's not going to put you on a trial and see how well you do. Let me see how long you can walk in the flesh without the Spirit. I mean, walk in the Spirit without the Spirit. He's not going to do that. The baptism of the Holy Spirit comes upon you at the moment of conversion, and He indwells inside of us. I tell you, people are running around saying, I need more of the Holy Spirit, more of the Holy Spirit. I want you to understand something. You've got all of the Holy Spirit you'll ever get the day that you were born again. What we need to do is give more of ourselves to the holy spirit that the holy spirit won't be backed into the corner of our life with no ability to work no ability to move but that we may allow the holy spirit to swell up inside of us that it may manifest its power through us are you picking up what i'm putting down today church and so as we look at this and we move on the bible what is the bible saying to me the bible is saying to me the church has a purpose it has a purpose Every member of the local church has a purpose. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12 that we are all members of one body and members of one another. My leg is a member of my body, my arm is a member of my body. They're not a member of something else. And so, therefore, if you are an arm to the body of Christ, if you're an eye to the body of Christ, if you're the head, if you're part of the body of Christ, and then you're at virtual church. And you don't want anything to do with the local church, which is a made-up members of a body. Then all of a sudden, where is the members of the body to fulfill the work of the ministry? Now, here's the interesting thing. that virtual church is great. It ministers to you. Television ministry ministers to you. All those things minister to you. But I want you to understand, they can't... The, they're not there. They're not the local body that God has ordained and positioned and sanctioned to make a difference for the glory of God. What is the makeup? What does it take to be a church? Well, if you ask some people, you can get some crazy answers. I've, I heard somebody the other day say that you're, you don't qualify as a church. I mean, these, these little small churches, eight, ten people, that doesn't qualify as a church. Okay. Help me understand that scripturally. Help me understand that in China where revival is breaking out through small groups of 8 and 10 and 15 and 20 people. Help me understand that. One of the greatest challenges in Peru is, man, we can gather up in a house and we that thing is flowing out of the, out of the home. I mean, these little old houses, I mean, it's just, I mean, a little old area about the size of one of these sections of chairs right here. I mean, you might put 30 people in there. But then you're trying to get them to the building to go for corporate worship and they're like, wait a minute, I thought this was the church. It's helping them to find the value in the corporate body, which has the ability to send out, to strengthen, to multiply, to make a difference. And I want you to understand something today, that when we go over here to the book of Acts, and we begin to look at this in chapter in chapter 2, it, it, it's interesting. It's not anything like we understand in our Western mindset of church. Matter of fact, let's just look at it in Acts 2 and 40. And it says that Peter preached, and it says that many of them came to know Christ, and in verse 40 it says, and with many other words he testified and exhorted them saying be saved from this perverse generation and then those who gladly received his word were baptized that day about three thousand souls were added to them well that's a good day of church growth isn't it and they continued steadfastly underline that in your bible in the apostles doctrine and the fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all those who believed were together, and they had all things in common. And they sold their possessions and their goods, and they divided them among themselves as anyone had need. So they continued daily in one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. And they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved now here's the thing about the church what is the bible saying to me the bible is saying this it's saying that the concept of the first act of the church is worship look at it in verse 46 and verse 47 it says and they continue daily they continue daily praising god going together coming together simplicity of heart thanking god in the temple out of the temple in the home out of the home praising god and having favor with the people now one of the things that we need in our country more than anything is the church to regain the god-given favor that it's supposed to be carrying are you with me you see the church has given up the favor Because we've been trying to find the favor of man and appease everybody that we in doing so we have given up the favor of God. And the only way that a church will walk in the favor of man is if it is walking in the favor of God. Does that mean everybody's going to like us? Does that mean everybody's going to love us? Does that mean everybody's going to agree with us? No sir, no ma'am. But what it does mean is that we can be a conduit that is not restricted that the manifest presence and power of God may flow through. And one thing... One thing that I would love for people to be able to say about Family of Grace is it's a church that loves to worship God, not just when the music team's up here, not just on Sunday morning, but if they're in the streets of the city, the favor of God is upon them. The simplicity of heart is upon them. The joy of the Lord is upon them. And in everything, give thanks because it is the will of God that he's moving through our heart and our life. And the first priority of a local church is to gather together and worship now i've had some good worship by myself and when i'm worshiping by myself nobody complains about how loud i sing how off i am how i can't keep rhythm it's just me jesus it's just me and the holy spirit and i mean we're having ourselves a good time and i'm loving it but i'm telling you as good as that is when I come together and there's two or more there and we begin to bring our praise together and our praises begin to go up and we begin to allow our adoration to go back to Jesus not, for, not just for who he is. Listen to me today. Our praise of God is so much centered upon what he's done for us more than the very character of God himself for who he is. That he is Jehovah. The first priority is that and we see here in the local church That's exactly what they were doing. The second priority of the local church is discipleship It says the discipleship is development and coming to maturity. What discipleship is not. It's not all academic It's not all sit and soak, but it's go and learn Discipleship is one of the greatest things about making disciples It's kind of the program that we take our apprenticeship from I mean, there's a couple of times that Jesus sat down and he taught his disciples. But, you know, they learned more as they were going than while they were sitting. And I'll tell you today, I believe the church in America, one of the greatest tragedies is that we have come and sat and sat and sat and sat and sat and learned and learned and learned. And we're the most educated people in the theology of Christ. But we may be straight as a gun barrel in our in our in our theology and what we understand about the scripture, but we are bankrupt in what we understand about the scripture making disciples you make disciples as you go when you look at that word in matthew chapter 28 in the greek where it says go therefore into all the world and make disciples that word means as you're going it's a present active verb which means it's keep on making keep on making keep on making i've shared this so many times you're sick of hearing it but i'll say it again because it makes sense I think about the things that I know, because as I grow older, I find people who don't know a lot of things that are just seem so simple. And I ask this question, how do they not know that? And I think about how I know it. When did I learn it? And I think my dad never sat me down. My grandma never sat me down. My mama never sat me down. My brother never sat me down. But what they did was they said, come go with me, son. Come go with me. And as they were going, I was watching and I was learning and my daddy was training me. He was training me the whole time. Even when he wasn't teaching me, he was training me. My grandfather was training me. My mother was training me. My brother was training me on some pretty interesting stuff. It was training, training. That is discipleship, the development process. Now, I'm not saying that there shouldn't be the academic concept. Don't know that academic component of it. I think there absolutely should be. You've got to sit down and dive into the mysteries of the Word of God, you've got you've to go deep. You've got to go deep in the word of God. You've got to begin to swim in the waters and the rivers of the word of God. Go deep. Get education with all you're getting. Get education of the word of God. But don't get the intellectual knowledge without the way to apply it. As we think about this. Not only are we supposed to be having fellowship, and that's what it says in verse 42 and 44. It says, and they continued. And they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Steadfastly in discipleship. The third thing that we see the church doing here, and this is what the Bible is saying to us, the purpose of the church, is that it's about fellowship. Amen. In chapter 2 and verse 42, it says, And they went house to house with simplicity of heart, with the word fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Wow. Wow. Verse 44, and now all who believe were together and had all things in common. They had fellowship. When you think about this and we think about the word worship, you automatically think about, you automatically come to a point in your life where the way you think about worship is the way you grew up or the way you saw your nana growing up. You with me? When you think about discipleship, when I, th- when I think about worship, the way I grew up, I mean, there was one person on a piano, one person on an organ, very traditional. That was what I thought worship was. When I thought about discipleship training, I thought, okay, well, we go there on Sunday night, and we sit down, and we do what we did again on Sunday morning, just in a different format under a different name. That's what I understood about discipleship theologically. And then when I thought about fellowship, I thought about dinner on the ground. I mean, come on, everybody bringing their little casserole dish. I mean, everybody gathering at one point, and, and I'm not saying none of that's wrong. But that's, and, and so I think that's what fellowship is. When I think about ministry, I, I think about as a young boy, ministry to us was paying somebody else to do it. We would, and I'm not saying that's wrong. We would give our money to missions, and other people would go do the work of the ministry for us. And the church I grew up in never really did the work of the ministry. That's, that's what I understood about it. And so we come with this uh, preconceived idea. The other purpose of the church is evangelism. It's laid out right here in verse 46. I mean, verse 46 and verse 47 says God began to add the people. They began to tell the story. They began to share the story. And God began to add to the church. As God began to add to the church, great things began to happen. Evangelism. When I think about evangelism, As I grew up as a boy, we never had an invitation. They would say, a preacher would get through, he'd say, let us stand for our benediction, the sweetest words a boy ever heard in church. And we would all march out. There was a preaching of the gospel with no expectation that God would do it. That's what I understood. I'm not being critical. I'm telling you, that's what shaped my belief system. And then, when I understood evangelism, it was once a year, we'd hire a preacher. His, his office he held was an evangelist, and he'd come in. He'd preach uh, hell hot and heaven sweet. And we'd pray somebody would give their heart to Jesus. And then we could check the box. And boy, if we got lucky, we might get to use the baptistry after that week. Or maybe after kids went to camp, we might get to clean out the cobwebs out of the baptistry. And use, I, I, that's just the way the church I grew up in functioned. So now when you think about me telling my story as a young boy going to church with my family, and you realize where I am, you've got to understand something shook me up along the way. And you know what shook me up was the Word of God. When I began to take off my denominational lenses, take off my, my, uh, my family lenses take off the lenses of my ethnicity and my upbringing and say, God, what does your word say? Your word says right here that a church has the purpose. The purposes of a church is to have the power. The power for what? To just gather and say, oh, even so, Lord, come quickly, Lord. Please run out the clock, God. Hopefully we can just pull this thing out. No, 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 no. The church is supposed to engage the world. The church will not lose. It will not lose. I'm going to say it again. It will not be defeated. Pull your head up out of the sand. Quit walking around with the mully grubs thinking, oh my goodness, it's all over with. I'm telling you that where persecution, where poverty, where uh, where things are the hardest in this world is where the church is growing the most. I'm telling you that where we're headed as a nation, we're headed to an environment that the gospel can begin to multiply and the gospel can begin to change lives. I want you to know today, my brothers and sisters in Christ, God's not trying to run out the clock God is waiting for the last person to come to know him as his Lord and Savior and then I'm telling you he's gonna send his son to come and get his bride he will come when he's good and ready and what I want you to know that until then our heart should go on singing until then we should be evangelizing like the church of Acts until then we should be meeting and growing in discipleship until then we should have fellowship Until then, we should have ministry. Get out from behind the sheetrock and move forward for the glory of God. Church has a purpose. It's got a purpose. And then last of all, what does the Bible want me to do about it? Write this one word down. Belong. He wants you to belong. The Bible says this in Acts chapter 4. And verse 32, it said, Now the multitude of them, of those who had believed, were of one heart and one soul. And neither did anyone say to any of the others, any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And the great power, the apostles gave witness with great power. The apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and great grace was upon them all. You can't fake grace. And God wants us to belong. At Family of Grace, there's several things that we're guilty of. And uh, it's been said that you almost begin to become the thing you resent. You ever heard that? For instance, dress. Because you may resent, as you grew up, they said you had to have a tie on, you had to have a jacket on, you had to be all decked out in the nines to go to church. I mean, I remember as a boy, man, I had my row of suits, and I'd put that dude on Sunday morning. We'd march ourselves to Zion. And so what happens, a good example of this is now, because we're in an environment of freedom, that you don't have to dress a certain way to belong. It's now when somebody does feel like they want to dress up or wear a tie, they're ridiculed. What Were you preaching today, man? Not here, cause my shirts don't button anymore. I can't wear a tie. Here's the concept: you become the thing that you, you, you resisted. And one of the things the family of grace is, man, we're just so happy you're here. And we never put any pressure on anybody about coming becoming a member. Matter of fact, there's people who aren't members who are better members than people who are members. And that whole concept of membership is interesting, but it's a biblical dynamic that God wants us to belong to a local body. A local body to come together to where we're not alone. So that when you're struggling, there's somebody to go down their knees with you. There's somebody to cry with you, pray with you, laugh with you. Somebody to make that journey with you. When your loved one's diagnosed with cancer, virtual church doesn't help. When you lose your job, virtual church really doesn't help. God has positioned the local church here, and it can look in so many different ways. Hear me out. Hear me out. The local church can look so different. The one common denominator for the local church, the word that we've been talking about, Ecclesia is when many members of his body come together. It makes up a local body. And in making up that local body, he gives that local body a special authority and a special anointing and special power to go to a fallen world and say, I am here on behalf of heaven and to serve the Lord. Together with gladness. Look. I know you have many reasons not to belong to church. Matter of fact. I can probably one up your list. But there's one reason that I do have. It's because. God said I want you to find. A group of believers. This may not be your group. But you find a local body. and Attach yourself there. Because that's where I've given the power that's where I've given the anointing and in the book of Acts the church began to grow it went from beginning to sending out missionaries to other cities to making a difference the first way that you belong is you got to be his child it's where you realize that he's our savior and that we want him to be lord of our life how do you do that it's when you see Jesus for who he is and you for who you are and you realize that he doesn't live in your heart and you say lord I know that you're my savior I believe that you died for me on the cross I want to give you my heart lord if you died for all that all might live then god I want to live for the one who died for all you say lord come and, come and dwell my heart and my life Lord, I believe it was my sins that put you on that cross. Lord, I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead for me. And you give him your heart. And when you do that, you become part of his kingdom. And until you get to his kingdom, he says, I want you to find a body. The a, a church that was established. And he says, get together. And as the, you see the day of the Lord approaching, get together even more and more. So maybe today you're at a place and you've just been asking God, Lord, show me that place. Show me that place that I need to belong. Maybe this is your place. Maybe it's not. It's okay if it's not. But somewhere, God's got a place for you. Let me close with this illustration. I know I'm out of time. But in China, I think things are changing there, but over the last decades several decades you couldn't have a Bible if they found the Bible in your home or in your possession they would take you take it from you and persecute you and your family and so what they would do is they would take pages of the Bible like this right here is would be Genesis chapter 4 through verse 24. And they would go over there and they would say, Brother Steve, now, you take this home with you. Take that home. And they would wrap that thing up in foil or whatever they could find. That way, if somebody caught them with it, it was just a few pages. You with me? But on... when they'd get together... Come on brother, come on. When they'd get together, he'd show up, and he'd bring his page, and they'd bring theirs, and they'd bring theirs. And when they all made it to the church, they'd end up with a whole book. Thank you brother. And that is a picture of the body of christ we're an arm we're a leg we're an eye we're a toe we're a foot and we're scattered all throughout the city the region the world now during the week and then on sunday good morning brother toe how are you come on in. hey brother hand come on in and the hand begins to come in and the the, the, the leg begins to come in I, I know this seems simple, simple simplistic but are you picking up what I'm putting down and God made us all these unique members of a body and on Sunday they or whenever they meet for corporate worship it doesn't have to be on Sunday but when they meet for corporate worship the whole body begins to assemble and I want to ask you a question A are you a child of God have you been assigned your member yet And then B, are you being faithful with your hand? Are you being faithful with your foot? Are you being faithful for what God called you to be in his place of service?